Procurement, what do they do? Anybody can buy things. Why do you need a department for this? Surely we could save that money and resources and use it better elsewhere. Welcome to the SR Strategic Sourcing Podcast. I am Gary Tinsley and today Susan Rashid and I are going to discuss how procurement adds significant value to every stage of the procurement cycle. Okay, so we're going to start, we're going to go around the procurement cycle and we're going to discuss at every stage how procurement adds value. Okay, so let's start with identifying the need. So the first stage of the procurement cycle is somebody has got a need and it's for us to, um, I would say initially, um, challenge that need. Uh, and so, you know, do they actually need it? Uh, have we already got one in stock? Have we already got something similar in stock that can do that job? Do we have something even better that's in excess stock uh, that we could use to fulfill that role? So it's things like that. We need to ask these sort of questions. I don't know what you still on that yeah, one. Yeah, I think, I think with that, certainly um, buyers need to challenge the need in terms of the quality, the quantity, you know, do they still need it? It's really important because if they challenge it quite often, they find out that actually the need isn't there. Yeah, you know? that's it. That's it. And one of my favourite ones is the best saving. You'll, I just want to try and use domestically all the time. The best <laughs> the best saving you'll ever make is not buying it at all. Uh, yeah. And domestically, that doesn't work well with me. But in in, in business, you know, if you don't buy it, buy it at all, then that's a huge saving. Now, I know in our world that's effectively cost avoidance. Um, but I, I remember uh, working with one of the uh, major banks in the UK and they had this thing where they put in gateways and they put a committee in at this stage. So right at the start of the procurement cycle, at the identifying the need stage, if you wanted to buy something, you had to go and see this committee and the mindset of the committee was the answer is no, unless you can fully justify the spend. And what that what the result of that was, people stop spending in certain areas because yeah. they want to go in front of that committee. And um, because they, when they actually thought about it, they didn't really actually need it. And I think the the net effect on that in, in terms and the way you'd measure it is what did we spend in that category this year? as against what we yeah. spent in that category last year. And, I, and the savings were phenomenal. I, I guess in those situations, you know, it, they do ch challenge it, challenging it by a committee would make them think whether they re really, really do need it. And actually, I bet the question was raised quite a lot is, can it be repaired? Yeah, you know, can it be repaired? What else, what have we got? I mean, you're getting into the, you know, the four hours. Re yeah, I like to have repair as the fifth, fifth R here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we think repair, like you say, and what, yeah. what it, it's just making people actually think. And the, the bit, with the bit we need to be careful of is that people don't see us as the the procurement police people. But yeah, the computer but, says no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, for us, we're trying to just do the right thing for the organisation, yeah. and, um, and you know, I, I, we need to challenge it. Yeah, and I, I suppose if if the decision is made to go ahead with a purchase. I guess it's it's a bit of either, particularly if it's a new purchase, think about value engineering and the benefits that that can bring. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. So I think our, I think um, our first um, value add is challenging Challenge. that need at that stage. Absolutely. 
and I think then I, I don't have anything else that we've really got on that. I think um, I don't think there's anything really much to add to that. And as I say, it's a proactive challenge. It's it's a it's a proactive challenge to say, do you need it, especially in an environment of sustainability um, and, 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 you know, yeah, reclaim. Yeah. Is there something else we can do? And also challenging the fact, because quite, quite often suppliers will say there's a minimum order quantity. Mm. And, and really challenge that and ask them why. You yeah. know, why is there a minimum order ch- um, quantity? Can, can we change that? Yeah. Ask yeah. them what if. You yeah, because that makes a big difference. Because in, in these situations, you know, the quantity is well, I need 25. Well, why do you need 25? Well, because that's the minimum order. Well, that's yeah. ridiculous. Challenge it. That's what buyers are there for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that probably takes us quite nicely into um, the next stage. So, if we've determined, okay, you do, it is something that we do need to buy, then we move into determining the specification. Yeah. Um, and for me, this is probably the if not the most certainly one of the most significant areas that we can add enormous value yeah i agree buyers have a huge impact here yeah absolutely so we can just discuss all i mean i've got some notes on different you know there's lots of areas um so things like um i've got one variety reduction reduction of stock proliferation and Mm. so we need, we need to reduce the variety of similar things in a warehouse. And if you speak to people in the warehouse, they will tell you, I've got, we've got six different versions of that. Yeah. And, and why can't you use one of them that we've already got? You know, warehouse guys are unbelievably knowledgeable about, as you'd expect, what's in a warehouse. Um, so, but everything, every item that we add to that portfolio, we need to order needs to get booked in. It needs a location. It needs to get moved around. It needs to be paid for. And there's a, there's a stat that suggests that at least if something sits on a shelf for a year, then that will cost you at least 20% of its original cost. And then in addition to that, you've got the risk of obsolescence, deterioration, perishability, all that stuff. So I think it's important. You know, one of the things I used to do in one of my uh, businesses, if somebody wanted to add a SKU, stock keeping unit, I'd say, okay, you can add one. Which one are you taking out? Take it away. Yeah, yeah, good challenge. We need yeah. to control, work with operations and control the scheme. I, mean, I was going to say, you know, the warehouse, the warehouse cost, you know, you think rent rate, lights, heating, HR costs, handling yeah. costs, yeah. you know, the movement, all the vehicles, the risk. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy amounts of costs. And if we can cut costs at this stage, it will save us so much in the long term. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're back. You're back to like what we discussed at the beginning. It's, yeah. it's it's educating stakeholders on on what all these these costs are, and also um, at that spec stage. If we get involved in that spec stage, we might um, again back to the beginning identify something that we've already got. Uh, you know, I used to, a, a simple example in automotive. You know, I was asked to buy an M8 by fifty two millimeter bolt. Now, an M8 by 52 is a special, comes with a long lead time, high price, high MOQ. And I just said to the engineer, will an M8 by 50 not do it? We've got 20 million in stock. You know, yeah. do you really need that extra two millimeters? And the engineer went, well, not really. No, we'll just use one of them. And that <laughs> and and that sort of emphasizes that. Enough said. 
the stakeholders yeah. don't care. They just specify what they want at that time and don't really think about anything else. Well, they're, they're not challenged on cost, though. And yeah. Are they? You no, know, it's, no. It's our job to sort of challenge that. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and, and, and like the you know the engineer probably thought, well, fifty-two mil would be absolutely you know the dream ticket, and I, I don't mind it gold plating. But then when you actually sit down with them and so say, you do realise you've got twenty million zinc yellow ones in stock at fifty mil. Can yeah. you use that? Oh well, yeah, I can use that. And but, but it's just the mindset thing that, that. But if you don't get involved at that spec development stage, they'll just put in an M eight by fifty-two mil bolt. Yeah, and. I mean, you can go right the way back to, to the quantity side of things again. I mean, a few years ago, I was t I was uh, teaching a group and um, someone says, well, you know, they were talking about PPE and they said, do you know what? We're sat with 16 pairs of size 13 boots, Wellington boots, you know, special, special ones that go on the shop floor. Yeah. I said, well, why have you got them then? Oh, we ordered them 18 years ago and they're still sat on the shelf. Well, why did you order that many then? Well, because we ordered ten pairs at a time for each for each size, so you didn't yeah. think about what what you were going to use. No, no, we didn't. Or or the people previous to them didn't, and they're still sat there today. Yeah, yeah, and and space. and they will deteriorate over time as oh, well. Oh, they'll be they'll be no good now. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. a years ago. I'm sure they would have been um, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so yes, it's about it, 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 you know, there's just so much value. Um, yeah. That we can actually, we've got the product awareness. I yeah, we've got the thing. product we, awareness and, and we know our suppliers and what the in, new, latest innovations are as well and what they're offering. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, yeah, and don't, do you agree whether at this stage, I mean, it's a big thing for me, this, um, you know, particularly when we're talking about specifications, is, you know, we're defining the specification, but is the specification still correct? Because yes. quite often, yeah. value analysis is, is doesn't happen, and it should do. Yeah. Don't just repeat order. Challenge the specification as well. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because it can be updated. I've had that a number of times. You know, yeah. we, we we order to British standard this, and then and, and somebody who actually does know what they're on about says, "Hang on, it's been it's been din nine nine three one for it for the last three years. We don't use British standards anymore." But you're oh well, our spec says that. So yeah, and that. Can also embarrass you with suppliers. You know, if you send that out, they were like, "What are you doing? What? How, how old yeah. do you spec? Oh, it's twenty years old, but it's all well. It's our image, isn't it? As well, it's yeah. our image and reputation that's affected. Then, and then, then they think, you know, oh well, if they're that that lapse on on thing, a thing, an important thing like a specification, we can get away with murder here. Yeah, it sends a wrong message to suppliers as well. It does. It does. Um, can I raise standardization? So. Uh, I think if, if we can, at this stage, we should look to convert a special to a standard. As, as you've yeah. already mentioned on the before, that if you buy a special, then it comes with loads of issues. It's high minimum order quantities. It's long lead times. It's far more expensive. And it'll be specific for that use. You won't be able to use it for anything else. And the number of times I've gone in warehouses and there's like, like you say, three, four, five years stock of a special that somebody thought they might need. Um, and you can't shift them. Well, as a standard, uh, it's a standard. So it's it's readily available. There's lots of suppliers will supply the standard. There'll be no minimum, be very, very short lead time, and it'll be very competitive because there'll be lots of suppliers but supplying standards. So they're going to have to be competitive. 
and also a standard opens up the global marketplace. So again, from from my past of buying nuts and bolts, even you know, yeah. DIN nine three one is DIN nine three one. Whether you're in Taiwan, India, China, Birmingham, it doesn't matter if that supplier can meet that standard and can and and can evidence that. Then suddenly you can significantly reduce um, prices. So I think part of our role should be trying to rationalize a product range to standards. So yeah. As part and of that, it, we should be doing it at the spec stage too. Yeah. And I think this is buyer beware where stage really, because the suppliers will have a tendency to try and say or suggest that actually you need something more specialized or more bespoke. Definitely. And that's when buyers can fall into traps. So to do your market research, really know your stuff. Yeah. So you're right. I think you know buyers will, sorry, suppliers will try and spec a special. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. It's in their interest. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's hard to move away once you've gone down that route as well. It becomes very very difficult to move away. So it's at yeah. this stage where you need to determine, you know, how how specialised are you going to go? Or, or we we would always argue go go for your off the shelf rather than uh, bespoke and something special. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, again, I'm just thinking about what you said there. If you if that special gets specced in and the supplier knows that they can only only they can make it, well, you know what happens in year two and year three. Up goes the price because then you're you're stuck with it. Gary, this is exactly what used to happen in my automotive days. Yeah. You know, our customers would say, right, you need to use this specific specification, yeah. um, and then we were trapped in with that supplier for for years. Yeah. Um, with with no option to move and and price did just keep going up and up and up yeah well well not when i was in charge <laughs> Super. <laughs> um but yeah so the next one uh performance not conformance um mm. so again many times you'll find in your business that a that a stakeholder comes in and says i'd like a lenovo yoga xyz laptop now, that, in terms of our world, um, confines you to one product, um, yeah. as you know. And I think and pushes that price. And, and, and Well, yeah. And I think for us, for us to add value, we could say, well, actually, what is it actually that you require from that laptop? Um, yeah. Because if we determine the spec of exactly what they require, there's a chance that we could either get them a much better laptop for that budget or... Mm-hmm. Uh, get the spec that they're asking for from a different laptop at a lower budget. Um, yeah. But we need, and, and what it obviously also what it does is it opens up if we can convert that spec to a to a performance spec, then that opens up the whole supply base and innovation and and things like that. I completely agree with that. I've been out, you know, in the days when I used to buy laptops, I suppose I still do. Yeah. Um, is, is what do you want it the first but what do you want it for yeah. what does it need to do yeah you know yeah yeah definitely yeah and, and 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 it is a bit of um it's a bit of stakeholder management really isn't it because the stakeholder i want that one and that's all i want um the latest gadget mm. yeah and i'm thinking and you know rightly or wrongly i'm thinking it marketing that's what i want and that's all i want and uh, and we've got to, you know we it, it's not good procurement to just then say, okay, I don't want to challenge that stakeholder. I'll just buy it. 
good procurement because that you that will not gain you any credibility in the organization it, it, it's a cultural thing as well because yeah. in some industries you know particularly in healthcare and stuff it, the, the buyers do find it very difficult yeah um, to perhaps tell a surgeon what equipment they need in that surgery yeah you're right you're right um, that's a very, very you know the same with doctors and clinicians yeah it, it can be very difficult so yeah. it is a cultural thing that needs to be changed here yeah. but you start with that awareness don't you yeah i think in that environment you need to you know have some sessions with those stakeholders if you can get them and just talk about yes. with them what it is you're trying to achieve which is not yeah getting in their way <laughs> yeah and it's, it's not and it's not always about price there are alternatives no. out there you know avoid if you steer away from brands there's alternatives out there that quite often perform a lot better yeah yeah as we've seen in the in you know in some of the mobile phone brands as well yeah recently yeah and i think i think it's um probably more of a public private i think in the public there is a definite tendency to try and convert um conformance to performance um because in the end of the day you need to be able to demonstrate the effective spending of budget um and just buying a conformance spec isn't that it's uh, and i think it is an awareness it's i think it's definitely back to that awareness thing though it's, it's cultural change yeah you know yeah. creating that awareness because once so, some of these stakeholders or the users of this this equipment yeah um that they will always want the latest and the best. Yeah. But actually, you know, and their objectives is to have the highest quality in most cases and go, you know, even the engineers are the same. Yeah. Um, not all, by the way. Um, <laughs> but just in my experience, I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. Um, but, but quite often, you know, talking to them about the benefits of steering away from that, you know, you can get get, get them on board, but it's in some cases it can be, be a bigger challenge than others yeah definitely and and also you know it, what what we are sometimes and in many cases you won't be able to do it but it's it, it's having that mindset to make that challenge you know it, it, in our background in automotive virtually everything i bought was a conformance spec so we're limited. Yeah, that's exactly. okay that's okay we're not saying here that the answer is no to a conformance spec we're just saying think about it and you know, can we use a standard instead? Is or is there another alternative? Should we? Can we open up the market? And if the answer to all those questions ultimately is no, then that's okay. We'll buy the we'll buy the performance yeah. spec. Absolutely, and one of the things we have to consider here as well the risk that's associated to conformance spec versus performance specifications. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, know, you buy a conformance buy spec, and then you say that's not quite what I wanted. That's your problem. Absolutely absolutely yeah so yeah so i think that's a that's a that we can add big big you know if we convert a conformance to a performance they might actually get then suddenly a supplier can come in it wouldn't have been considered and come up with some make you aware like you you say of a new innovative product that's miles better than the one they wanted um yeah. because you've given them the chance to yeah, I mean, you're opening up the supply base, aren't you, quite a lot with a performance specification. Yeah. And all, you know, and you're making it more attractive to suppliers, whereas a conformance specification, some suppliers can see it as too risky. Yeah. Too I, risky, yeah. you know, for them to make mistakes. And if they can't, you know, be that precise, I'm thinking of engineering and steel yeah. plates now, yeah. Um, you know, they will steer away from it because the cost of getting it wrong is yeah. just... Too, too high for them no that's 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 another good point yeah yeah 
Okay, uh, the next one I've got is early supplier involvement. And again, massive. And it's a bit like this. Value engineering. Yeah, it's a bit like this conformance to performance. Again, is I, I again, in my simple world um, that I live in, the supplier is the expert in the product or service that they manufacture or deliver. We're not. We're, we're, mm. Very often, we might be on the odd occasion, but very often we're not. So if we're developing something new, why not bring them in and ask for their opinion? Tell us what's what's in the market. Tell us what their views are. Um, and I think in this area, we can we can add we can gain big you know significant credibility. So if we said with an internal stakeholder, if the internal stakeholder wanted whatever it was they wanted, and we said, here's a suggestion: why don't I bring three suppliers in, and they can all do as an hour presentation on their recommendations? You know, as a minimum from that, when the suppliers leave, your stakeholder might say, well, I want a bit of that supplier. I want a bit of that one and a bit of that. One. Yeah. And I now know exactly what I actually want. And I wasn't aware of just exactly what was in the market. And it almost be ended that thank you procurement. You know what I mean? We're adding huge. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's that's a big area for us um, that we should try and ensure that we do. Yeah, and it, you know, I think having um, a best practice process in place is so important yeah. to avoid, you know, just going with the same again and not exploring other alternatives or options or or even benchmarking the marketplace. It's it's really important that we do that. And yeah, I, I love value engineering. Yes, yeah. you know, working. I mean, in my in my experience in the automotive days, actually working. Um, with stakeholders and supply you know and obviously suppliers to develop specifications was was key because yeah. what that meant was we didn't then go to the market for a product or a service that actually doesn't exist yeah yeah you know so, so so that can save you a hell of a lot of time in the long run yeah yeah and, and what you're receiving from them is like really really rich primary data that you just mm. wouldn't get Current. anywhere else yeah. Yeah, it's you, you're like you're bound to finish with well i wasn't aware of that wow yeah we're gonna need that um and they've and now what i came in thinking i need is now something completely different and that's us adding real value from having that expertise and those relationships um in the supply base i mean the only risk there and it's easily avoidable is of course every supplier that comes in We'll try and steer you towards something that that they can do that's unique to them. But you can easily, and that's why you see more, more yeah. than one. And you can easily, especially us, we can easily spot that and just cut that bit out and say, "Look, yeah, there was loads of good things in that meeting, but ignore that last bit." Because all they're trying to do is steer to something that only they can do. Um, so if you avoid that little trap, then it's just a massive benefit. Absolutely. So you know, another thing that they can do as well is they can save you a lot of time. And efforts. I remember uh, when I was in education, we we had a, a um, an idea to design. Wait for this one: a sand and water Viking ship um, for kids to play with. And we spent weeks and weeks and weeks in new product development, coming up with this fancy design for this Viking ship. And we were gonna, it was going to be such a size and very ornate, etc. Um, but we realised that we needed to. Um, it's maximum selling price. I can't remember the numbers exactly. It would be like £299 and we'd need to buy it for 
115 and we spent all this time and after about two months he invited a supplier in who within 20 minutes said you're not going to be you're not going to be able to make that never mind sell it Exactly. Yeah, exactly my point. Yeah. Really? And my reaction with the MPD team was next time just get a supplier in and talk about your ideas early on. Yeah. <laughs> get you first rather than going off on a tangent. Yeah, rather than waste six weeks of resource yeah. and time. Um and you know, and the supplier in, in the end of the, the end of that story, the supplier went away and completely redesigned it and put and used different material that suited their manufacturing and did come up with a Viking ship that we could sell. Uh, yeah. But why we didn't just use them in the first place um, was, was a bad error. And I think, it, in fairness, in that instance, it was one that we learned from. I think, I mean, I think historically, go, going back, the traditional, you know, relationships with suppliers was very adversarial. And, it, it, you know, it's not like it is today where we actually see the benefits of partnerships and collaboration. Yeah, yeah very different so I think that's probably you know a lot of it but I know it still goes on in, in many organizations yeah but yeah but I, and I, I like you've mentioned a few times in determining the spec things like upfront value engineering uh by it's like a combination by early supplier involvement well, Absolutely. Like, you know, why, why are you suggesting making it from that you'd be much better making it from this material which would deliver x y and z and 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 again, you, chances are your stakeholder that one wasn't aware of that, um, and that's where all too often we come in. You know, this is the this is the whole point about the three stages of the procurement cycle. There's the there's pre-sourcing, sourcing, post-sourcing, and all too often you hear procurement people say, "Oh, we only get involved when 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 the spec's been determined and we've got to buy it." Well, then if that is the case, mm. missed an enormous opportunity to add. I, you know the pre the pre sourcing stage, you had the, this misconception and the traditional view that procurement adds value in the sourcing stage only uh, is unbelievably wrong. Procurement can add um, just enormous value before sourcing. Very often, sourcing is just a process, um, and as we'll go on to discuss later, procurement can add huge value post sourcing in. In supplier management, so I think it's important for us that if we're if we're the department that just buys it, then we're not strategic. Then we're not no. doing it right, and we've got to be strong in our organisations and have to be involved at the identify the need and the determine the spec stage if we're going to be a genuine strategic value adding. Bump. Yeah, procurement needs to be strategic, yeah. otherwise it's not going to add value. Is That's it? Right. It's just being really and just buying what they're told yeah 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 that, that that's we've just become like operational then yeah yeah okay ace so now we move on to well as, as back on that point we now we move on to the second stage of um the three stages so sourcing and the third stage of the cycle which is develop contract terms and this is a right <laughs> You know, again, should, should we discuss the different types of contractors? Yeah, well, I, I remember once I was with somebody again. It was in a in a bank, and it was an IT guy he came into a meeting and said, "Oh, contract terms is easy. We just use the suppliers' ones." <laughs> I, oh, I, I nearly fell off my chair because uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> suppliers are great at terms and conditions of sale. <laughs> I bet they uh, are. Yeah. 
And, um, of course they wanted to use it. But for the stakeholder, they're really, really not interested in this stuff at all. All they want is the product and the service, but they are interested when it goes horribly wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, and, yeah. And that's the yeah. bit where we get involved after. And then we said, we can't do anything about it. It's too yeah. late. You've signed up to their terms. And, and, and we get the task of trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Uh, yeah. And and I'm sure you've got loads of examples of these, Sue. But off the top of my head, absolute classics in my career. Photocopiers, vending machines. Right. Oh, yeah. These guys put together fantastic terms and conditions of sale that tie you into long-term contracts with... Rolling contracts as well, uh, quite often. Rolling, rolling contracts, contracts uh, with annual price increases, blah, 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 maintenance costs, and the horrible, horrible contracts. They're like litigation companies that just happen to sell something. And, um, and our stakeholders... Are, uh, just aren't bothered. They just want that photocopy. They just want that vending machine. And um, so, where do we add value here? God, it's enormous, isn't it? Because we yeah. we're the ones who come in uh, to protect the business and mitigate these risks. Um, and it's it's vital that we're involved um, at this stage because we we think about things like. Um, total cost of ownership. They don't. They just mm -hmm. want that new machine. We think about commission. Yeah, the up, the upgrading of it. Yeah, spare parts. Uh, energy. You know, we think about the whole let the whole life cycle. And uh, I've got examples of this oh. where these spare parts cost a fortune. Well, did you not think about that when you bought that machine? And this machine is going to need maintenance. Well, hang on. Did you not have you not done a couple? Contract. <laughs> oh, no. not in the contract. And I, you know, you won't believe this maintenance costs a fortune. Well, of course it does because you didn't think about that. <laughs> you should, yeah, they should have done it. At, you know, at the contract development. Yeah, stage, at they? the outset, and then, uh, yeah, specification. Yeah, I think. I mean, in the public sector, it's key as well here because this is where, in the public sector, you know, this I guess is where uh, EU procurement directives start and and the process and and following the right process and developing the terms. I think in the public sector, to be fair, procurement's not likely to be missed out on the developed contract term stage. But in the private sector, you know, in the private sector... We can do what we want. Know. That's the that's the problem in the private yeah. sector. It's just down to the organisation, really, isn't yeah. it? And their governance. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. And I think also at this stage as well, we, we can add... We think about things like, you know, some of my happiest successes are in, in the, things like um, rebate clauses, cost down clauses, yeah. sanction, you know, in, 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 in retail. That was a favourite in automotive, cost down Cost clauses. down, yeah, yeah. We, you know, in retail, we did catalogue contribution. Um, so, you know, it's it's it can be huge uh, in, in this area, you know, rebate clauses. You develop a new supplier that you think you're going to do amazing things with and you put a a rebate clause in and suddenly the thing grows massive and the supplier benefits from huge turnover and and then you get a big check back at the end of the year and everybody's happy um it's fantastic and and the the, the things that you know stakeholders and furnace to stakeholders it's not their job but it but it is their job to think about and to work with us to deliver the you know the best contract
Yeah, well, they don't know what they're missing out, do they, until they speak to us, really. what What's your thoughts around using model form contracts? Model form contracts. Well, model form, again, I think model form contracts are sort of quite industry-specific. Um, I, I, I once asked somebody about this who was in construction, and they said, yeah, well, the fantastic, um, you know, that I think, and I'm no expert in this, but they think the, I think the JCT, had about 20 odd different model form contracts. And, and, and uh, the student said, it took me about six months to learn them all. Um, however, once I was- People using NEC now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It saved me, it saved me so much time. Yeah, and NEC, yeah. So I think model form contracts, if you're in that type of industry, again, it saves you having to create your own, con create your own terms and conditions, the design to be fair, uh, and will save you a lot of cost and a lot of time. Yeah, and, and people just get you, you know, particularly in construction, they get used to using yeah. one or the other, yeah. don't they? Really, they benefits. it's like a contract language, isn't it? In that, in that industry, yeah, well, it saves you reinventing the world, doesn't yeah. it? If, if you can use those, but sometimes you can miss it, miss out on key clauses that you might have put in if you developed a bespoke one, yeah. So it's kind of buyer beware, just know your contracts and know your stuff, yeah, really. definitely. Definitely. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, another one on this is, is, again, if it's not in your contract or it's going to be much harder after the event, is we also yeah. we also would think about post-contract supplier management. So at the contract term stage, you know, we'll be putting things like SLAs, KPIs, measures mm -hmm. into the contract of how they're going to deliver some of these benefits. Um because that's not something that, you know, if you've already awarded the contract and you're three months in and say, right, why don't we sit down and discuss SLAs and KPIs? Your supplier will say, no, thanks. Um, yeah, <laughs> whereas at this stage, they'll say, because they've not won it yet and they still want it, at this stage, they'll be like, yeah, okay, let, let me try and understand what it is you're looking for. So I think, again, proactive contract development and getting all the right terms in, we, we add huge huge savings here and also significant cost avoidance um and so it's important that uh, our users um involve us at this stage i think just one other other point on that as well though if you've got a legal team uh, like one of our previous articles if you've got a legal team use them um yeah. So it's all right as developing all these contract terms, but if you've got a legal team, before you send it out, run it by the legal team. Um, who may just make some vital amendments for you that, that might protect you. You know, we, we are we do have procurement professionals do have a good uh, contractual understanding, but we're not LLB qualified account, um, legal guys, are we? No, and I mean, and the other thing as well, and review the contracts, even if you haven't got standard ones you use, review them because I, I've I've seen just over the last couple of years lots of organisations that have, you know, not not considered GDPR, yeah. you know, data protection, you know, they've they've not updated their contracts in line with that, yeah, um, which is quite scary. Yeah, really. definitely, definitely, uh, and and again, you know, I just put my mind, I, I just put my mind is if I'm a stakeholder, if I'm the user, I just want what I want. I'm not going to think GDPR. Um, that, that's where procurement can sort. Of, I mean, if, if the relationship's working right, I don't think I'd change the stakeholder. All I'd do is say contract, I'll get procurement to do that because they, that, that's their expertise and um, and they can guide me on that. Um, and that's all that we 
ask for, really. That That's what we need. Okay, anything else on contract terms? We could go. We could move into things like, in fact, I'll just mention a couple of these and then we'll move on. But with things like title and property, liquidated damages, liquidities, oh, yeah. all those type of things again, uh, will protect our will protect our organisation. But our role here is is to is to protect our organisation and to put the great commercial contract in place. And- and and particularly, I mean, those those liquidated damages clauses yeah. is, is be careful because sometimes they can, you know, they they can support the supplier more than yes, the buyer. Yes, yes, they can. Yeah, that's another good point. That actually, I've got an example of that. So we had, I remember uh, once talking with somebody on a course about a contract that they had, and it was big, big money. This, and they said, I'm the per this person was the contract manager. And he said, I've got this supplier and we'll all, you would, you would know this supplier, but I've got this supplier and every month they pay the, the sanction. Um, I can't remember the name of the term now, but the, every month they pay the sanction and it's about 30 grand a month. And I'm like, why would they do that? And he said, because it's cheaper for them to pay the sanction. Than to actually be <laughs> exactly. And the supplier had worked out that it was cheaper for them to pay the sanction than deliver the service. Uh, yeah, that was such a bad clause. It's because it's capped, isn't yeah. it? That's service the, credit. That was yeah. the term. She paid yeah, the service credit to actually deliver the service, and then they went on to say, "And our accountant has budgeted for it next year at thirty grand a month. There's like a revenue stream, and I've I've got my yeah. head in my hands going, no, no, no. What you actually need is the supplier to deliver the service that you expect. It's, it's not a revenue generator." Um, so yeah. you do, you're right in what you say. You do need to be careful in the terms that you put in. Yeah. Because the suppliers are canny, aren't they? If I've spotted that and thought, well, actually, uh, I'm two months in. Actually, you know what? This is costing me too much. I'll just pay the service credit. Because there's enough there's enough money in the contract for me to just pay the service credit. So I'll just do it. I mean, I, I'm always suspicious of suppliers who accept them yeah. um, straight away, you know, or try to insert them themselves. You know, it's... Um... Yeah, I always think of, think about it hard, long yeah, and hard. Yeah, you need what um, you make. You, you've got, from, you've, got, from you've got to get your... But you should do that with every clause in a contract anyway, Gary, don't you? Way. You should think about it from both... You should think about every clause in a contract from both Definitely, yeah. Because ultimately, the contracts are there to reduce your yeah. risk. Yeah, no, great point. Great. Not, not, not necessarily to beat the supplier over the head with... But, you know, but to reduce your risk. It's negotiation. I mean, when we come on to negotiation a bit, most of your negotiation will be around these contract terms. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And you've got to get the best deal for your organisation that's sustainable and, and the supplier to accept. Yeah. And don't and don't rely on relationships. Yeah. But we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that when we get to negotiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we'll move on. But, yeah, massive value at contract terms. The next one source the market um and again you might think this one's a bit less but actually it's not because at the end of the day um we we are the ones that will ultimately select the supplier especially in the private sector and we're only yeah. as good as the suppliers we choose exactly. so we've got to and in in fairness for me this is one of our massive areas of added value if you're a category buyer for a category area Nobody should know that market 
better than you. You know, you know, like when I bought nuts and bolts uh, uh, in automotive, going into automotive application, I didn't understand the the makeup or the engineering or anything like that. But if you said to me, where can I buy a DIN 931 bolt or a DIN 932 nut? Is there any suppliers in Taiwan? I could tell you off the top of my head, five suppliers in Taiwan who meet automotive standards and what's going on in India and what's going on in Italy. Because that's my added value. We... We, we, if we're a category buyer, we should know that product supply and market awareness better than anybody in the organization. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was like me with when I worked in automotive 20 odd years ago, and you know, buying foam to go into yeah. car, car seat cover. Um, there wasn't anything I didn't know. I mean, I couldn't tell you much about yeah. it today because it's changed so much, but. But yeah, I knew my staff and you know who was out there, who the new players yeah. were, and you know. What and you need mean. to, don't you? Really him to you. You know, you know. So where can I buy this form in the Far East? And you said, "Oh, I don't know." I'd be like, "Oh right, well, isn't that sort of why don't you know?" That's what I'd be saying. It should. Be it is, yeah, it? it is, and that's that's a big part of our added value. Um, so I think things like um, sourcing the market, we should be going to obviously this thing. It, uh, internal, our colleagues, suppliers, things like trade fairs and exhibitions are really, really yeah. key to attend. I, I do like the tra- going to trade fairs and exhibitions because you see a lot of, you know, there's there's lots of organisations yeah. there who are showcasing their new innovations. Definitely. And that's where you, it's a good place to build relationships, isn't it? Explore what's there. That's where you'll see all the new products and then you'll, and, and most of the exhibitions, you'll, there'll be like a hall that's the global hall and you'll find suppliers from locations that you, you know, you just, you just have the budget yeah. to go and visit. Um, so yeah, massively, yeah. It's really, really, they're really important. You can do some good negotiations at these exhibitions yeah. <laughs> as yeah, well. You know, they're under pressure to make it work and get a return on their investments when they've spent 70 grand. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, or more. Yeah, yeah, some of these stands with the fortune, yeah, yeah. But for, for us, it's yeah. about you can meet all your existing suppliers uh, or meetings, mm-hmm. uh, but you can find new. Uh, and that's that, that that's really, really key. What's new, yeah. isn't it? That's Because, you know, you don't always get told from your existing suppliers what's coming up, what's changing, yeah. do you? That, that, no, no, that's right. No, especially if they can't do it. If they're aware of something new, they okay, can't do it. Yeah. They're not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not. So that's why we need to, even even though you think you're happy with the service or the products, you need to still... Yeah, support. you need to stay current, yeah. You're right. Yeah. And I think buyer forums, yeah. are, you know, is something that's good yeah. to use as well because, you know, just discussing amongst yeah. yourselves. You yeah. Know, not to you know, going yeah. to branch events or, or joining an online buyer portal. Or in, or in um, our case, the classroom, you know, in a, in a yeah. classroom, yeah. 10 people from different companies, industries, sectors, they do share information. Um, it's they good. Uh, and on the public sector, they probably do this in a bit more of a formal method because they will do things like request for information or an audio advertisement. Or a meet that, like you say, a meet the buyer event. So it will also, yeah. um, so they'll do the source the market, but probably much more of a of a formal manner. Yeah, and a lot of them will be buying off frameworks yeah. as well, but it doesn't stop them, you know, running them and you know running a mini yeah. competition to see what you know who's who's got what they need yeah. most of. Yeah, 
Okay, so we had lots of value at um, at source the market, and then the next one, appraised suppliers. Again, it's done. After we do it private, then publics. Publics very different, isn't it? And uh, appraised yeah. suppliers. I mean, again, quite simple for me, especially in some of my old worlds. Is at the end of the day, we've picked the supplier, so we're only as good as the suppliers we select. And if it goes wrong, and it's gone wrong for me a couple of times, certainly in automotive, it's going to be our fault. Um, you know, we're not going to yeah. be able to hide behind quality because because uh, quality picked them. No, they didn't. You own the suppliers. You should ask quality to look at them, or ultimately you pick them. So it's critical for us that we pick the right suppliers. And um, it can save you a lot of time and money in the wrong long run, and and risk of litigation. It reduces so much risk if you get it right. This yeah. you know here. And I think our 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 whole. Uh, credibility even individually is on this i remember once a supplier went bust on me in automotive and my md said to me something like well, did you not see that coming and i'm like well 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 no he went oh that's disappointing and just walked off and left me there um, and and i thought god i should know that i should i should have known that i, I didn't check them enough financially in advance i shouldn't I find in my career, Gary, you only make the mistakes. Yeah, I've, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. Um, and I think so, so. I think things like, especially if you're going global, visits and audits, and take your technical person with you. So I've been out to Taiwan in automotive quite a few times. I go with my technical director, um, and we'd literally walk into a factory and. I'd walk up to the boardroom and do a presentation on our business and understand their business. And he'd go to goods inwards and he'd walk from goods inwards right through to goods outwards through the entire process, check the traceability. And he'd come and join me in the boardroom maybe an hour later. And it would be as simple as if he walked in and nodded, I'd know the, I'd know they're okay. But I've had instances where he'd walked in and he shook his head. And that's time to wrap the meeting up and leave. If technically, yeah, no you know, this you've got to combine technical and commercial, haven't you? I could have had an amazing meeting and they would do a great contract that works, but if my technical but can they fulfill and shakes it? his head and said, I don't fancy these, these are not capable, you've just got to call it off. And, and similarly, I've an instant where he's walked in and, and shook his head, uh, sorry, nodded his head, and in the next break, going, This is possibly the best factory I've ever been in. And I'm like, Well, that's a shame because commercially, I can't get anywhere. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, you've got to have that right balance of technical and commercial, and nowadays sustainability, social value, all those other aspects need yeah. to be you know considered. Yeah, I mean, I, I I always, I mean, from a soft side of things, there is the technical, but I always look at the, you know, what value do they invest in their employees? Yeah. Because ultimately, if they're not, you know, if if they're losing employees every other day, you know, you're paying for the the recruitment and all that, but you know, they need to be developing their, their yeah. staff as well. I like I like to see that because that means you're going to have continuity and consistency, and, you know, and, and a decent, you know, a, a good level of quality. Yeah. But if they've got an awful, awful yeah. staff levels and changing, very volatile, yeah. it's really going to impact you. And ultimately, you're going to be paying Again, you're that. massively right there. So a, a, a visit will get you... You can see. You will start to understand the culture and understand the mindsets of are they a company that, in terms of mindset, aligns with ours? 
Yeah, and do they empower mm. their people? You know, do, are you are you able to walk on the mm. shop floor and and speak to these machine operators? And are they confident leaving you with their supervisors yeah. and things like that? That's the sort of thing. Right, I look for right. and if I went on a factory visit, I'd try and not attach myself to the MD or the sales director. Exactly. Lag back a bit and speak with somebody from operations. And I remember one guy saying that they're selling you the dream here, but let me tell you, we had twenty redundancies last week, and it's been a nightmare the last year. And you're like, whoa. Really? Because yeah. the sales director and the MD will just sell you the dream. Well, they're selling the business, aren't they? They're not going to tell you the negative. Yeah. And you'll stuff. see things like capacity. I've had suppliers say, oh, we're at 90% capacity. And you walk around the factory and half the machines are idle. And, and that's not necessarily... Oh, sorry, Gary. It's not necessarily saying you're not going to use that supplier. Yeah. But what you might do is think about how you're going to mitigate yeah. your risk. You know, and how you're going to ensure... Yeah, definitely. And it, and, and it, you'll find out things. Even I think it gives you a visual. You know, six months later, you're speaking to them on the phone and you're seeing the site and you're even seeing the person that you've not met before. It gives you that... I remember one of my suppliers saying, well, the shape of our roof means we can't really expand. And because I've been to see him, I could see that roof, you know, in my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can't do that. Well, if you hadn't yeah. been, you wouldn't know. Um... So yeah, I think it's I think appraising suppliers, visiting suppliers is really key. I think and from sustainability reasons oh, as well, you need to go out there and, and check, you know, check and audit. See yeah, you can. On. Is it really happening, or is it just on a website, or is it just on a piece of paper? Yeah, you can you can get that. It, it, yeah, well, because the 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 MD and the sales director can come here with all shiny yeah, suits yeah. and you know flash mobile phones and nice mm. cars and all the rest of it, first class yeah. tickets. But actually, are they? Are they? You know, is their factory not a shiny big new factory? Yeah, yet? yeah. Well, I mean, that's another great. I've had Chinese suppliers tell me that they're a manufacturer, and then they've gone to visit, and they're not. They're a trader. <laughs> um, but the website says they're a manufacturer, and it, and it, and it looks great. Um, and then when you go on the site, yeah. where's your manufacturer? Oh, I'll drive you across to the manufacturers. Well, is that is this part of your? And you get there, and you realise it's not. It's just an, it's a manufacturer that they use. And that's ultimately you. You're responsible for that supply chain because it's yeah. your image and reputation, your organisational Im image and reputation that's tied well, you are, to yeah. that. And and that and, and like I say, you've got to tie in. Uh, you're totally right in that point. Things like you know child labour and exploitation. Mm. Um, you have picked that supplier. So you know if you're if if you're a, a buyer in a big fashion company and you pick a supplier in in a certain country and that country's that supplier using child labour, if you trace that back. That's going back to the buyer, and you've got to take ownership for that. Um, and and uh, and you know that 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 that's key. We we do. Have... This is a huge subject. We want this is ownership. Going, we we want that ownership. But then when we that and that's fair enough. When we need to take that ownership and we need to deliver, you know, appropriately. So yeah, I'll praise the suppliers. Huge. I think uh, public sector it's different, isn't it? So the public sector, you're looking at PQQs pre-qualification questionnaire but that again does 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 a great job because the pqq will specify exactly what they're what they're looking for from that supplier and if they don't meet that criteria they won't go forward to the next thing no um, and, and that eliminates a lot of suppliers yeah. that you know it saves them a lot of time it does it does and, uh, and and maybe in their environment of fairness transparency traceability it's not as easy to go out visiting suppliers so they covered it via the PQQ and 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 build in what's important. And 
know, for example, I, I had a student from a university in our region who was Britain's greenest university at that time. And she said sustainability is 30% of our um, requirements for, for at PQQ stage and, and the analyze stage, yeah? So, mm -hmm. you know, in the public sector, they can create the uh, supplier appraisal PQQ to meet the need in it. Yeah, I think I think some private sector organisations do, yeah, do something similar yeah. as well. Uh, they can do, but yeah, I think it's really important yeah, to do that because that, they can then align the suppliers with their yeah, objectives. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else? On I think we've done that one. But again, massive. I'm everyone we talk about. Everyone's huge for us, isn't it? <laughs> I oh, know we could go. We could do, do, do ten hours on yeah. each of them. Um, the next one, uh, invite quotes and tenders. Um, again, this is very varied in the private sector. It depends who you are. You know, I worked. I worked in automotive for ten years and never did a tender, but that's because it was more about relationships and and working together to develop. Yeah. Whereas in the public sector, you've clearly got to follow. Uh, EU procurement directives and there's a very definite process for every instance yes. but procurement adds value there because procurement knows the process and can guide the stakeholder and protect the stakeholder yeah. from spending money without following EU procurement directives that they should have done yeah and they're there aren't they the processes are there for a reason yeah yeah yeah. yeah you know it, it ensures that you know procurement are following best yeah. practices reducing their risk but also making sure that innovation yeah. is sought yeah you know so uh, the processes are there and some will say oh you know you know it's a bureaucracy and it's lots of paper but know that they're, they're good and they're uh, there for a yeah, reason yeah and it protects you mr or mrs stakeholder from doing it wrong and spending that three million pounds yeah. with a supplier that you've selected um that's not actually legal um yeah and uh, and puts you into into dangerous territory. So again, the right the right step to follow here for is is this is an area that just leave it to procurement. Procurement will determine what the right route is. Is it what type of tender is it? Will it be competitive dialogue with negotiation? Can we um, framework agreements? All that type of stuff. There's lots of different options. But again, there? we add value here by selecting the right option which other members of our organization just wouldn't know so in the private sector it's different in the private sector sometimes you'll undertake a tender sometimes you won't but again it's it's procurement that can steer the organization in the right direction on that yeah i mean yeah i mean there's in the private sector you either do a formal tender or you, you know it could be an informal mm. quote or direct mm. negotiation you know it's it really does depend what yeah. you're buying doesn't yeah. it Okay, uh, and then we move. But, but having said that, I'm just sorry, last point. Having said that, Gary, I think it's really important. I mean, public sector have got clear guidelines in place, but I really do believe that private sector organisations, and, and lots of them have, have a formal process, a formal strategy for, for this stage yeah. in place, um, to, you know, to, to, to reduce their yeah. risk. Because what you don't want is um buyers or whoever it is stakeholders in the business just re-awarding contracts year after yeah. year after year no you're right i mean in a, you know ideally in all organizations in the private sector should have a 
a procurement cycle and process yeah process driven policy procurement cycle that, that you can yeah, educate stakeholders on as to this is how the procurement cycle is going to work and this is the role that you play um, then and that, that, that's best practice what, yeah, and I think what that will do as well, if there is a formal process in place, it will stop the other stakeholders in the business saying, oh, you know, procurement said no, you know, the computer, you know, or don't go to procurement, because there's this formal process. Yeah, well and in fairness, if that's been cascaded well and delivered well to stakeholders, then the stakeholders probably like to say, okay, I understand that now, so now I understand what we need to do um, when we're buying something, and I've got a copy, and if I, if I haven't, I've got a copy of that presentation, I've got a copy of that handbook and i can I, I know i now know what to do um because very often yeah. you know procurement guys will hide behind well they do what they want and we can't control them but how much effort have you made to to try and change that you know yeah and, and explain it a lot a lot of it from stakeholders perspective procurement is oh you know procurement takes yeah. so long but actually it's because they're yeah. following processes matters. you know and if they yeah. don't know that they're still thinking that yeah. negative you know image of procurement and and that's why this is this is a whole new subject but this is why procurement need to market themselves within definitely their own yeah that maybe there might be another one for us that procurement market yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> but, but it is it is the case because otherwise the, the their opinion will be if that goes for procurement it's going to take six months you can't wait for that yeah. um but this is, this is the reason why these stakeholders do yeah, have it yeah. dying, isn't it? It's because they just think, oh, you know, I can cut a career. And actually, they're exposing yeah. us to risk. And we, so need, we need to give them a give them a service that says, we will deliver this as quickly. We will deliver our, pro, our system for you as quickly as we can. Some instances, that might be an hour. Some instances, it might be a day. And yeah. some instances, that might be a long time. But this is the reason why. And, and, and explain it in full. And, it's, and we're doing this to protect you and this organisation. Um, uh, uh, sorry, Gary. No, I was just going to say, I was just getting on one about consolidation of requirements and stuff, because if everyone's maverickly yeah. buying, you know, everyone's getting different prices and different contract yeah. terms, whereas procurement can pull all that yeah. together, can't yeah. they? Yeah. Oh, episode two, three, four. Here, it's great stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Uh, so the next one is analyze quotes and select and select the supplier. Um, so again, I think this time we'll flip it and do public sector first um, because I think in the public sector at this stage it, you're getting into the area of involving stakeholders and working as a team. Yes, against part, very yeah. definite criteria to deliver this most economically advantageous tender meat tender. Um, sorry, go on. And no, I was going to say there's many different. There's a few different processes of how they, you know, evaluate yeah. bids as well. Yeah. But we add value here again by doing it right, and because this this area can be can be is definitely subject to scrutiny from from the supplier that came second or third we've got to ensure yeah. um transparency fairness traceability and that our actions will stand up to any scrutiny from the freedom of information act and any and any uh, any supplier challenge um so it's key yeah. 
They need to justify definitely. It's key line. here that you know that we. It's the audit yeah. trial, isn't it? That's, yeah, that's this is the, the key area. This, is, this is the area where we effectively pick the supplier. So, you know, we need to follow, a, uh, these guys will follow a very, very definite process, engage stakeholders, and to some extent the team will pick the supplier based on objectively on the criteria, and it's a big area of them, yeah. as against somebody who just picks a supplier. <laughs> and I, th I, th I think it's important that, I mean... I know they have to, you know, it's compulsory that they feed back to the suppliers that didn't um, yeah. win, you know, their, yeah. their performance against yeah. the criteria, um, you know, so that, that needs to be very yeah. objective as well. And I think it's really important that even, well, I know we're going to go on to talk about it, but even the private sector, that that's yes. done well as well, because it keeps that supply base. Doors for relationships, for credibility. If I'm, if I'm, I've bid three or four times and, I've, and I haven't won any and I'm getting absolutely no feedback, then I'm just going to lose the will to, to carry on. It's, yeah, you want a return, a return mm. on investment. So if a supplier spent, you know, two weeks completing yeah. a tender or more in many cases, they want something yeah. in return. They want to know where, where the weaknesses are. So they can yeah, so I believe I can win next time. Yeah. Yeah, and if, and if you don't, if, if organisations don't feed back, you're shrinking your market for the next time yeah, you go and, out. It's your credibility yeah. as well, and it's 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 your perception yeah. um, in the market. Yeah. So I think so I think in the, the public sector it, it, it's critical because uh, you know there's some there's this case studies. I'm like, you know I'm thinking off the top of my head, Virgin Rail, Virgin yeah, challenged that decision and ended up winning and getting the contract back back in I think 2010 or whatever. And as a result, the Office of Government Commerce was disbanded. That's how important this stuff is. You know, the guys that made the call to move the passports to the supplier in France, that must have that I'm sure that was challenged to death, but must have stood up because they've done this. They've done this yeah. bit well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's how important it is in the public sector. In the private, um, it's, it can be a lot more subjective. Uh, because you're not subject to things like the Freedom of Information Act. Um, but you've got to behave ethically and sustainably, which is sort of, you know, your point that you was making earlier. But I think in the private, there's a much... You've got yeah, a lot more freedom, much, you? on, on negotiation, which probably takes us to the next one, I think, which is, which is negotiation. I think here, in the public sector, it's... In contrast to the last one, it's quite rare, this one, because I think they would only really negotiate in an instance of things like competitive dialogue where all the offers are different, maybe to provide a service. And even then, it's uh, not very not very frequent. And if, it, and if there is negotiation, it's minuted. It follows a very, very definite process because they cannot be seen to favour any supplier. So negotiation, not that it, it's not a massive added value, but in the public sector. Yeah, I mean, th there is the competitive tendering and negotiation. So that's that's you know a formal process where you declare it yeah. up front, aren't you? That there is going to be a negotiation yeah. at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and then of course there's the di direct negotiation, but usually you would only use that in a, in an emergency situation or yes. where there's not time. To, to you know to, to go out to tender it's like um, coronavirus yeah. ventilators and things like that yeah 
exactly they're they're, mm. they're great examples of it they didn't have the time to go out to tender so you know they had to just yeah. direct towards um you know but there's still lots of opportunity here to to negotiate i suppose but not necessarily yeah. around the price it's it could be more around the, the safety safety yeah. stock ip mm. intellectual yeah, properties you know ga guarantees yeah. lead times any anything like that could yeah. be left yeah. the contract so you know there's lots of things we can negotiate yeah. at this stage i think in the private sector though in the private sector it it's yeah it's a genuine open. area where we can add huge value you know, I think the thing to again to say is, most cases now procurement professionals are trained in negotiation. You know, stakeholders aren't, um, and we. Oh, this is a whole other subject. We're doing negotiation, I think, as a subject, but do we add value at this stage? Enormously, enormously, yes. um, and um, yeah it's it's it we can reinforce the contract terms we in the private sector you're so much more flexible you can you can do a lot of this again you have to ensure that you that you're ethically correct and that um sustainably no point negotiating a contract into the ground that then isn't sustainable that's that's not great it, what we, yeah and procurement is more yeah. world as yeah, well yeah yeah right you, yeah. you can get a reputation yeah, your reputation could be damaged. So you've got to be, you know, uh, appropriately. But can you add value here massively, massively? But you're right. I think it is a whole conversation in itself, negotiation that we may do in the future. I, I'd love to we'll do, do that. that. We'll do great. that. We'll, 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 we'll recount some stories. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the, the next stage is award the contract. Now, you could say... I mean, we don't, there's no value added here, but there is. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, but it needs to be done correctly. Um, and again, yes. yeah, dot you've got to dot the I's and cross the T's. And the public sector, you would imagine it's done in virtually every single case and done correctly, done robust, followed a very thorough uh, process and formal approach. Uh, but in the private sector, I've I've spoken to loads of people who said, "Oh, yeah, we negotiated this great deal, but we never we never really finished it." Um, no, yeah, put, oh, we never got round to that, and now we've got an issue. <laughs> like, wow! Yeah, and the person negotiated left. Yeah, you spend all yeah, you spend all that time negotiating an amazing deal, and then don't finish it off. Um, so yeah, it is, right, it is yeah. key that. Like you said earlier as well, is it a purchase? It might just be a purchase order or it might be a contract, but you need to ensure that, and it sounds like absolute common sense, but you absolutely need to finish it correctly. And that, and then therefore it does add significant value. And, and if you don't, you can't, you know, you can't do the next stage. If you don't yeah. finish it correctly, you can't move yeah. on to that next stage. Can you yeah. and do that correctly? <laughs> That's right. Um, Okay, and then the final stage. This then I'm going to be the final. This and this does bring a right smile to my eye. So, contract supplier management is stage ten, the final stage, and it is the only stage that really relates to post contract. So on the cycle, it represents one step, whereas sourcing represents seven. And and I'd have to argue, therefore, is it less important? It's just the thing you do at the end. Absolutely not. This stage, I think, is almost undersold. It, it, if you do this stage badly, that those previous nine stages that you've done really well, 
um, and are pointless because if you're not managing the supplier, then the supplier will not deliver to contract. On I mean, years ago, we used to have excuses mm. for this, is that, well, the co the contract actually sat in a mm. filing cabinet in London, and, and I'm in the northwest, so how do yeah. I know? And if I'm a supplier and I know I that, then... Very simple analogy, one I use a lot of, a lot of times in the, in the classroom. If I'm a supplier and I'm coming to see you, Sue, every month, and at that meeting you're taking me through SLA... KPIs, last times minutes, where am I on my actions, etc. etc. And then I've got another customer called, let's call them Sam, who I see, who I see twice a year, and we have a brew and I bring the donuts. No, who am I going to perform for? Yeah. I mean, in, an, in my ideal world, I wouldn't perform for either, but you're in this instance, I've no choice but to perform for you because you're to death. Yeah. Um so and that and that's the case. It's like the other vision I always have is like it's like the dog on one of those clutch leads. If you let that lead out, your dog will walk about twenty meters away from you. Um, and if you let the lead off, your dog will be gone. Um, but if you if you're yeah. every every hundred yards, you bring that lead in a little bit, uh, you'll be in control. Um, and I think this stage again, this this is definitely another session for us. This, but yeah. Trying to avoid complacency setting in with yeah. the suppliers, isn't it? And ultimately, you just want them to adhere to contract and and maybe get a little bit of added value. That's where I yeah, that's it. You know, as a minimum, you should be expecting that contract delivered to the contract and and SPM of SLA KPIs measures and all will ensure that that's delivered. In the private sector, yeah. that's not enough. That's not going to give you competitive advantage. If that suppliers top right hand corner of Kralgic and really important. Yeah, you you need SRM, you need supply relationship management, you need that next innovation, you need their new products to be exclusive to you. It, and that that comes in this area too. Um so yeah it's a massively important area. And I think I think most most private sector organizations are, are getting there on this one. There's, you know our background of automotive was doing supplier management. 30 years ago you know 25 years ago i was yeah. working with robust vendor rating systems um but other sectors in the private sector you know i went to mail order retail and they weren't doing any of this they, they had good relationships but it was all just about pure relationships not performance yeah there are there are lots of sectors that are leading the way on this but what I, what i find as well with this with the um more service sectors they tend to be a little bit yeah. weaker on this, actually, I find. But mm. but it is changing. There there are a few businesses we're working with. Yeah. We've seen some huge huge. I think you're right, and I think it's. I think one of my favourite lines again is. I, I think it's in my my experience is all products. It's thirty in procurement, but it's all products. Yeah. And the more I deliver services in the classroom, I think without doubt services are harder to buy because. Oh, they're, they're harder to buy, they're harder to manage, aren't they? And, that, and that's why... Yeah, services are people, and people are not consistent, and people are very... Yeah. it's about relationships then, I <laughs> So I think, I think um, and, but, the, but your point's a great point, that if, if you don't, it, it's harder to do. It's much, SLAs, I had a friend of mine who said that we did an SLA, it took six months for cleaning in a hospital to put it together. And 
I said to him, is it good? He went, it's not bad, but it could be better. And you think, wow, and it's, and it's 90 pages, this thing. God, but if you don't do it at all, then you have absolutely no control whatsoever. And again, this all needs to be agreed at contract stage, isn't it? It does. So this is in. This is. I mean, do we add value here enormously? Um, We add protective value to ensure the contract's delivered, and we can can add value to the extreme. So, in from relationship management, that uh, we work with our supplier and come up with a new product that's exclusive to us that just catapults the turnover of your organisation. That's that's the that's yeah. the extreme of, of the value that we could add here. The message the message here is just don't yeah, no, this stage. Yeah, <laughs> and budget wise, I think well, I'd love to have contract management and do that, but I haven't got the budget to do it. You've almost got to say you haven't got the budget. You, you haven't got kind of to do it. Not to do it. Um, <laughs> and um, and yeah, but it's I still work with a lot of companies that don't do this area. Uh, and, it, and I just shake my head really uh, <laughs> and think, what a shame. What a shame. Uh, Gary, we, we're moving away from one of our suppliers because yeah. of the poor, you know, you know, yeah. the poor performance and it, the risk to the business yeah. would have been critical if we'd left it unmanaged, you know, if it, if it went on unmanaged, I don't, it, it's so risky. I think that's a great that example you're quoting is a great example of something that, uh, they were allowed to become complacent, and I'm not having a pop here, but they were allowed to become complacent because they were being managed. Now you're managing them tightly. You've realised that they're not giving the service that you deserve, uh, and so consequently, you're yeah. now moving away. And that's that's right. But that's what suppliers. This is my point. Is in the sound like, but that's what suppliers will do. It's human nature. It's human nature that if you've only got limited resource. And one of your customers doesn't manage or measure you or and at all, and another one does, then that's where you'll put your resource because you because you've got to keep that customer. And the one that doesn't bother checking at all, well, then you you'll give them your worst people and only give them one when the, the contract says four and all that type of stuff because you're not being monitored, and you can. And that's that's just mm. it, it is how it is, isn't it? You know. Um, and our job is to make sure that our organisations get the best um, from the suppliers that we use. And this area, we, if we don't, we need to do this and do it well um, to ensure that. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Um, anything to add? I think. Uh, I think we've pre- pretty much covered it. Um... Overview. I'd like to think that if, if uh, someone listens to this, that they'll agree with us that procurement adds value significantly at every stage in the procurement cycle. Yeah, and if you haven't got a procurement cycle in place and yeah, processes yeah. sorted And to be out. fair, if you need help on that, give us a call. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Sue. Uh, I think we'll leave it there. And, uh, and I you. think we've come up with a few ideas for our next one. Um, yeah, and I'll see you, I'll next, see you time. next time. Thanks a lot. Then. See you later. Bye.